Center, Freedom Center. Good to see you guys today. Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And as you do that, why is nobody moving? It's like I've memorized 2 Corinthians chapter 10. What's going on? You'll put it on the screen in a second. So just look it up. It's good for you to know it. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to start with verse 3. Um, last Thursday night, how many of you guys got to be a part of our Thursday night application last Thursday? It was a blast. Uh, food was good. Fellowship was rowdy. Um, deep things happened quickly in ministry. And I encourage you guys, Thursday night, 6.30, 6.30 to 7, we eat. At 7 o'clock, we begin discussing uh, Sunday's message. So this message I'm about to teach now will be discussed in detail amongst friends at a table, new friends and old, uh, at 6.30 Thursday night. And we hope that it continues to grow. We had a record attendance. It was the largest attended Thursday night event since COVID hit. And we're excited about that. Like, that's a good thing. But uh, when you hear that Pastor Carl and Pastor Jay, uh, Jason are going to be in this, like, this, like, smoking war, um, I hope that makes sense. Smoking of, of dead animals war. Um, good things happen. So this Thursday night, Pastor Carl will be leading you through this. We're kind of taking turns. It's going to be awesome. So come be a part of it. Second Corinthians chapter 10. You guys ready to get in the word? Here we go. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons, that which we have to defend ourselves and offend our enemy, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So they're different than an M16, a sword, a landmine. Uh, on the contrary, they have divine power. They're not naturally powered. They're God-powered. And their purpose is to demolish strongholds. Now, the word stronghold there in the original language just basically means a place that has been built up as a place of strength. So sometimes uh, something we believe, something that is wrong, something that is right, it, it takes on a kind of a weight of its own. Where we, we just believe that. Well, why do you vote that way? I don't know. My grandfather voted that way. My daddy voted that way, and I vote that way. Well, have you ever asked yourself the question whether I should vote a different way? And that was too heavy. So let's talk about technology. I've always had an iPhone. I had an iPhone 1. And then I had an iPhone 8, and I have an iPhone 47. But yeah, but this other series of phones is, is like literally better than anything that Apple's ever produced. I know, but I'm an iPhone guy. Or the ultimate example for those in our area, I'm a Lions fan. With, with no, no data needed, I just believe, like a warm day in March, spring is here. It's not. There's four more blizzards coming. But the Lions, because they, they won a game in the preseason, they're going to be good this year with no data to support it, right? We just believe. So strongholds. Now, remember, the weapons we fight with. Now, this is what they do. So what are the strongholds that Paul's talking about? Here we go. We demolish arguments, that, that ongoing bickering between sides that are built up as strongholds, and every pretension that sells itself up, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Pretension is not a word we use very often, but, but what it means is this. It means something that pretends to be true. It's not true, but it speaks as if it's true. It behaves as if it has the weight of truth. It demands authority as, as truth has the right to. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is what we do. We take captive every thought. He's been talking the whole time about our thought life. This whole, this whole discourse in chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, he's literally talking about how we perceive the world through the eyes of our mind, how we process information, not the information itself. We have weapons that are true, that are divine, and we take captive thoughts that are not but pretend to be, and we, we make them, we force them into obedience. Um, years ago in, a, in another life, I was a security guard. 
I was a military police officer when I ETS from the Army. I decided, let me just do some security work. I really enjoyed security work. I tried to do some personal, I was a bodyguard for a, a one-star brigadier general in Central America for a while, and I liked that work. So I, I applied to, like, bring security. I'll deliver money or I'll, you know, just be undercover or whatever. And they said, hey, great, we've got just the job you're, you're really qualified for. There was a department store that was going out of business, really high-stress stuff. They said, we need somebody to stand in uniform, and the purpose of you being there is to, to protect the people. The neighborhood's gotten really bad, and once you put up going out of business, it attracts people that it would be better if you had a security guard there to kind of say, hey, we're not playing games. You just can't clear out the shelves and go running like we care about this. So I went there, and I, I introduced myself to the manager of the store, the assistant manager, and eventually walked around and introduced myself to the rest of the people, and universally, everybody hated me. I thought, is it the uniform? Is it my, the way I'm carrying myself? So I tried to be nicer. I was like, I brought donuts, right? Now, I don't have any money, but I brought donuts because I want to serve and protect, and I'm not getting through to them. And they ate my donuts, and they didn't talk to me. I would walk into the break room, and they would get up and walk out. So finally, there was this one, like, gal. She was older, probably elderly, probably 55, <laughs> which, is, which is my age. I was 22 then, so you get where I'm coming from, 21. And I said, can I ask you a question? She's like, what? I said, First of all, you know, how, you, how do you put on your makeup? It's so lovely. The way you scowl, it's so attractive. I just said, what, what is wrong? Are you guys mad at me about something? She goes, well, how would you feel if the company you served for 20 years hired somebody for the purpose of keeping you from stealing their stuff? I was a trusted employee for 20 years. Now they'd hire some kid to come in here and keep me from stealing stuff. I said, sweetie, that's, that's not what I'm here for. She said, it's not. I said, no, I'm here to protect you. I'm here to serve you. I told him, I'm not here to judge you. I'm, here to, I, I'm not here to catch you. I'm here to protect you and to empower you. And she said, oh, well, because she was kind of the company gossip, everybody knew by lunch. Hey, Jim's not here to catch us. He's not here to judge us. He's not the corporation saying that you're a thief. He's actually sent here from a benevolent corporation to help us through this difficult last season with any customers, with any shoplifting, to inventory stuff. So he's, he's going to be our, our muscle. Ah, there was a day... You don't want to see this get angry, you know, swallow you alive, right? So let me ask you an important question. Put a, put a thumbnail on that for a second. Let me ask you a question. What do you think, God, what do you think God's purpose is for giving us the Bible? Because if you face it like it's here to judge me, it's here to condemn me, it's here to tell me how wrong I am, there is kind of an element of that. Certainly the law came to show us where we were wrong because without knowing what was wrong, we could just live wrong and not know it. Anybody else ever bought an iPhone, right? I don't know what it does. I just know how to screw it up. The, buying the iPhone is not the problem. Transferring data from one phone to the other is an exercise and just, I just throw it at young people and say, fix it. I don't want to do this anymore. But if you think the Bible's here to catch you doing what's wrong, you won't trust it. Just like you wouldn't trust people like they didn't trust me back in the day, right? If you think it's a gift from God to be used as a foundation to bless you and to empower you, then you look forward to it. Now, I want you to, did everybody, that make sense? Did you get that? If I realize what it's here for, I have a different relationship with it than if I misunderstand what it's here for. Does that make sense? If I understand what you're here for or what I'm here for or what we're here for, if we understand it properly, we have a different relationship with it than those who are like, oh, I have to go to church so some, you know, old guy in a tie can scream at me and tell me I'm going to hell. It's like, no, that's not what we do here, right? That's not what Scripture has commanded us to do. What we're doing here is different. So if you misunderstand truth, if you misunderstand reality, it is not uncommon to arrive at a really bad conclusion. All right? So put a pin in that for a second. Let's talk about our brain physiology. Behind your eyes, just about that far, there's a couple of really cool things. The thalamus, the hyperthalamus, and, and something we're going to uh, be introduced to called the, the, the amygdala. 
The amygdala is brilliant. It's about the size of an almond. There's two of them, one directly behind each eye. I'll show you because it's kind of fun. Um, and really, the purpose of the amygdala in the brain, look how tiny that is compared to your noggin. But that thing is a control center. It's a crossroads. When I see something coming towards me, that, that breeze through the trees, I'll explain that phrase later, but just understand as information comes in from a variety of sources, conscious and unconscious, my brain is making millions of decisions per second while it's keeping my heart beating, while it's telling me to breathe without having to think about it. Isn't the brain a wonderful thing, right? It's like, yes, I, I wish my husband had one, but true, it's good. So the amygdala is taking, and I see something, I get the attention, and here comes, here comes a dog that's walking towards me. And, and I have to make a decision. The amygdala is the part of our physiology that goes, is that a good dog? Or is that a bad dog? Is that a safe dog? Or is that a generous dog? Is that a cute dog? Or is that an angry dog? Is that, is, that a, is that something I should be walking towards and enjoying? Is that something I should be walking away from and getting out of its way? Or for those of you that don't like dogs so much, but spiders. Some of you guys hate spiders. I have a friend, she hates spiders. Tarantulas make her, like, cry. I'm sorry. Tarantulas that are frozen in a piece of glass in a gift shop in Yuma. I said, what do you think about this? Made her cry. How many of you know when your pastor makes you cry with a spider, it's a good day for the pastor? Not so much for the lady or the spider, but I had a good time with it, right? Or if you see a friend, it, there's something else the amygdala does. It, it makes decisions. In a, in a millisecond, it's made a decision, and your body's physiology is changing based on the stimulus coming your way. Does this make sense? It's, it's a fascinating thing. Let's just do the spider first because this cracks me up. I'm a little brother, so scaring people is the only thing I had. I, I couldn't overpower them. I just had to freak them out and blame it on my sister. Hallelujah. Amen. So here's, here you'll see the, the brain. Then you see the amygdala where the arrows are pointing. The thalamus, the hyperthalamus is tucked in there as well. So when you see the spider, do you see the spider right here? The camera guy's like saying, don't go back in the dark. Do you see the spider right here? There's a spider. Well, if you're afraid of spiders, your amygdala goes, spider! It's a spider! And what happens is it signals the thalamus and the hyperthalamus, and you begin to produce adrenaline because this thing that weighs nothing but it looks creepy, and it's going to fall on your face. It's going to crawl into your mouth while you sleep. That's the way to keep people awake in church right there. Because, the, you know, if you fall asleep, spiders crawl. I'm just saying, meditate on these truths, and you'll, you'll find that it's true, right? What's funny, they actually did a study because people are afraid of spiders crawling in their mouth. When they studied, they found out that spiders had this unique tendency not to want to die, so they don't. It's just, let me put your mind at ease. The cockroaches you've got to worry about, but the spiders are fine. It's fun to be me today. The amygdala goes spider, and it tells the, the thalamus and the hyperthalamus to produce adrenaline. In a millisecond, your heart begins to race. Your pupils dilate. You, you, get, you get tunnel vision. You see the spider and nothing else, and you're prepared to fight it or run from it. And it all happened in, because of those little things, just understanding and recognizing and making a decision. But what if you see somebody you love and trust? What if, what if these are your friends, right? The amygdala makes a decision, and it decides if it's safe and if it is safe, another thing, instead of adrenaline and all that stuff, it produces something called oxytocin. You want to know about oxytocin. Oxytocin is the feel-good. It's kind of like runners get a runner's high of endorphins. This is when I see something and I love them. I was just talking to Professor Dawson over here this morning, and we were talking about I said, when I saw you, I shook your hand. I gave you a hug. My brain gave me a little shot of oxytocin that said, I like this guy. I enjoy talking with him. I said, it's just good to be around other science nerds. How many of you guys know when you're in school and you hung out with the science nerds, you got beat up by the jocks? But now that you're older, like, science nerds rule. 
You're still laughing at me after all these years. Thank you very much, right? Oxytocin. Oxytocin is a, is a hormone kind of, it's a neuropeptide. In other words, it joins different electronic functions in your brain and in your body, just like your, 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 um, the different glands produce adrenaline, they produce this as well. Oxytocin is released into the bloodstream as a hormone in response to love and in bonding. The babies that were just up here a little while ago, if you were to look at the baby, say, oh, so sweet. But if you were to pick one up and it looked you in the eye and reached out and grabbed your nose or grabbed onto your finger, or if it was your baby or your grandbaby, the brain goes bananas with oxytocin. How many of you guys would die for your kids? How many of you guys would kill them too? I don't, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's both sides of this, right? But that sense of, like, I'd die for you. The first thing I ever said to my, my first child, holding him in my arms, looking at him, I just, I, it just came out of my mouth. I said, I'd die for you. What is that? That's oxytocin. That's the physiological. It's also very spiritual. You know, remember, we're a body, a soul, and a spirit, but my soul and my spirit connected with God in awe, worshiping him as I hold my son in my arms. My brain is flooded with oxytocin, and that's not a baby. That's my baby that I do anything for. So what's the point? The point is this. We live differently when we're blessed with what we trust as absolute, whether that truth is the Bible or it's people or it's God, or it's a church, or it's a government, or it's media, or it's your neighbor, or it's your boss. When we are in a position where we can rest and trust, our brains fill with oxytocin, and we feel a sense of community and well-being. Does this make sense? So if we see what God gave us to trust as a judge that's trying to hurt us, we fight or flee from what he sent to protect us and empower us and guide us through life, like Scripture. But when we see God properly, we experience the superior pleasures of life. So what we consider truth then sets a standard to discern what isn't true. So if all spiders are good or all spiders are bad, then, then there's our standard by which we judge all spiders. Does this make sense? This is where racism comes from. This is where uh, the opposite of racism comes from, universal love for mankind. I, I saw somebody, oh, man, it's, it's a person. I love persons. Or there's a person like that, or a person that voted like that, or acted like that, or is wearing that, or driving that, or lives in that neighborhood, or speaks that language, or has that skin color, right? When we see that, the, that's the part of us that goes, wait, that's safe, that's not safe, that's good, that's not good. How important is it that we, that we know the truth of God? We've got to know. So how do you know the truth, and how do you know what's not true? How do you discern what's real and what's not real? Um, you pay somebody. No, I'm kidding. That's a $100 bill. When, when the, uh, and I'm not sure if we can even put that on the screen. I think that's not my $100 bill. I'm happily married. But that's somebody else's $100 bill. A Benjamin, a Hundy, whatever you want to call it, right? And what happens is there are counterfeiters, those who create things that look real but are not. And so when they train the Secret Service agents that do counterfeiting rings, they look for artificial currency and so forth, what they're doing is they don't teach them the thousand variations. They teach them the one original, and when they know the one original and they believe that what they've been taught is true, then anything else that compares that, they say, this is not a, a real $100 bill. Why? Because it doesn't feel like it. It, it. There's a fibrousness to the paper. There's a, there's a security thing that goes through there. Um, Benjamin's got a, got a glint in his eye in one, and this guy's got like a mustache. Like it, it doesn't, it's not the right picture. It's not the right color. It's not the right feel. It's not the right weight. When you know the original, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And when you don't know what's true, then you have to kind of walk through this nebulous series of experiences and accidents and being victimized and used. And, you know, those payments that were promised to be easy weren't all that easy. I think I might have been lied to, right? All these things that were told by various places and people. So anything that doesn't align with the original is a counterfeit. So a good question for us to ask today in a Christian church following the Lord Jesus Christ would be, what did Jesus trust as absolute? When Jesus was faced with counterfeits, how did he weasel out? How did, how did he ferret out 
the, the right amount of, of truth from lie? How did he know? What did he do when he was faced with a lie? You guys ready to get in the Word again? All right, let's get this. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You guys doing good? He's going to be tempted by the devil. Now, who led Jesus into that wilderness? The Spirit. So sometimes it's not the devil tempting you. It's God proving his good work in you. Look at this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's kind of a duh moment, right? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He's introduced a counterfeit. Now, God didn't feed. God told you to fast. God didn't tell you to break the fast. But you, if you are the Son of God, you can do whatever you want to do. So turn these stones into bread. Jesus answered, it is written. What has he done? When, when something came his way, he didn't say, does that feel right? He didn't say, what do other people feel about stones turning into bread? He didn't say, is there a majority or a minority of folks who believe that I can do this? He didn't ask for public opinion. He didn't put a poll through SurveyMonkey. He didn't go on his Facebook page to see what's normal. He looked at what? The Word of God. And he said, it, come on, is written. So do what you want to do. And Jesus goes, well, it's written that man should not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil is defeated. Then the devil took him to a holy city, to the holy city, and had him stand on the, the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For if you can quote the Bible, so can I, right? For it's written, wives submit to your husband. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the other scripture. He said, it's written. Counterfeit truth, here it comes. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jump off the temple. If you're really God, the angels will catch you on your way down. I love what Jesus says. He says, it is don't be stupid. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but that's what he says. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'm going to give you, he said, if you will bow down. And literally the word worship mean, means to lick my hand like a dog. How many of you just want to punch the devil right in the face? How dare you say that? Here's the counterfeit. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for what? It is there's the truth. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended Jesus. That's, 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 a, tough, that's a tough day, right? He's exhausted. It didn't take like a, his mother to show up. It didn't take the disciples to show up. It, it took angels. Like this guy is starving. It's been a real battle. He's exhausted. I think angels attended him because he didn't have the strength to walk out of the desert on his own after that, to be honest with you. I think his body's in the process of shutting down, so God sends angels and there's food brought to him and there's water brought to him. He, he's passed the test. But the thought of it is this, guys, hear me. How many of you guys are faced every day with things that just aren't true? They're, sometimes they're things, they're things that are trying to sell us. Sometimes they're things that are just, you know, have an agenda behind them. But sometimes it's things like what we think about God. Like most of the lies that become believable to me is because I don't know something that I should know about God. Something to be known about his love, about him being father, about him being healer and deliverer. So what's happening in the neurological sense is simply this. Jesus, right? He identifies the lie. Stones in the bread, worship me, jump off the roof. How many of you guys can see there's a problem? He identifies the lie, first thing. Second thing he did, he identified the truth. So if that's a lie, it begs the question, if that's a lie, that's a counterfeit, what is the original? Because we can't just identify counterfeits. We're not heretic hunters. We're truth livers. We're truth tellers. We're truth doers, right? So he identified the lie, he identified the truth, and then he used the truth to tear down the stronghold, the pretension, and he replaced the lie with the truth. In other words, he didn't conform to the pattern of this world. 
He didn't have to be transformed by the renewing of his mind because his mind was renewed. But that scripture for us would be good. If we were faced with a lie, we would take that lie captive. We compare it to what has been written for us, the absolute truth of the word of God. And then we tear down the lie and replace it with the truth. Do you see that? Piano guy, join me. Do you see that? What I just taught you in a brain physiology way, in a very scriptural way, in a very spiritual way is this. You better know the word of God. Because unless you know what a $100 bill looks like, I can hand you monopoly money, and you'll say it's worth something, and it's worth nothing. If you don't know what Jesus has done, what the Father has said, what the prophets have written, it puts you in a position of great vulnerability. This is not me getting you to read your Bibles more because I get a a 5% Bible reading bonus at the end of the year if you did. It's not to make my life easier. I am, if you will, in the the analogy that Jesus uses, a shepherd, not the shepherd, but a shepherd. That doesn't make you mindless sheep. But in the analogy, it means this. My job is to lead you to places that benefit you. My job is to lead you away from things that would harm you. My job is to present to you the truth, and your job is to digest it as a sheep would digest grass, to burp it back up, chew a little bit more, swallow it, burp it back up, swallow a bit more, to access the various compartments and various stomachs that sheep have so that it gives you the energy, the nutrition that you need. My job is to feed you, but it's your job to digest it. I lead you to still waters. I can lead you to to green pastures, but I can't spit in your mouth pre-digested food. Gross analogy. Let's go back to spiders. Right? pre-chewed food. I'll, I'll give it to you as simple as I know how to give it to you. What are the benefits of not being highly educated? As simple as all I have. But I want you to know something, guys. If you don't know the truth, the truth can't set you free. If you don't know the original, counterfeits look very real. If you have not drawn a line in the sand where Jesus has drawn a line in the sand for you, then what is true? Well, whatever my feelings are, whatever is most popular, whatever, you know, culture has around me. And I got to tell you something. If there's ever been a day where culture was more dangerous than the day, I don't know it. In the history of mankind. I'm just saying the day that we live in is so forceful with what is not true that if you don't know what's true, it, I, I understand it. Here we go. I'm just, okay, back up. Okay, good. Hear me. No one wants to fight anymore. But that doesn't mean there isn't a truth to be fought for and a lie that needs to be defeated. No one, no one wants anybody to dislike them or to be judged or be a hater or be phobic or be this party or that party. I, I, I get that. I really do. But truth has not moved regardless of the culture's fluctuation around it. As the light of the world and the salt of the earth, hear me, our place is to always say, this is true. This is the way. Walk in it. Well, I don't think, well, I don't know. Well, you translated that word wrong. With it. You know, we just came with that. I, this is the truth. Walk in it. A people who know the truth. It says the righteous shall be as bold as lions. But we're not to be afraid of a debate if we have the truth. This is a $100 bill. Now it's not. That's monopoly money. Here's monopoly money. Here's a $100 bill. Do you see the difference? No. Well, then you're an idiot. But you being an idiot is not my problem. Presenting the truth is my problem. So I'll present you the truth. You don't have to accept it. I don't have to accept it. We have free will, darn it. But we do. We have to choose what we love and what we believe and what we're going to decide to do. But I am telling you this. If you'll decide to trust the Word of God, if you'll decide to read the Bible, if you'll decide not just to read it, to know it, and slap a buzzer, which is an awesome program for our kids. But if we go from slapping buzzers to slapping Satan, now we're on to something. We need to know how to slap the devil, not just slap a buzzer, which, again, Bible quiz is awesome. That was an anti-Bible quiz. Jesus prayed for us in John 17 that the Bible would have an effect on our life. He said this, sanctify them 
wash them and separate them for a sacred purpose. And how are you going to do this? Sanctify them by the truth. And then he says the next, the next sentence, your word, Father, is true. King David's thoughts, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It's not just an earthly thought. It's a heavenly thought. Look at this, 2 Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Paul again says this, take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The word of God. God's word, the truth, the sword of the Spirit. It's, it's a great and trusted gift from God to mankind, right? No wonder the devil, the world, and the disobedient try to discredit it all the time. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, the writings of Buddha are all a bunch of bunk? Me neither. You know, the Quran is filled with all sorts of lies and heresy. You ever heard that? No. The only sacred book I've ever heard demeaned on a consistent basis is by people, oh, don't be mean, Jim. Nah, finish the sentence your own way. No wonder the devil hates it because it exposes what is not real. It divides it like a sword divides what's real and what's not real, what's alive and what needs to die. And my encouragement to you guys is simply this. If you read the Bible and it doesn't produce this rush of oxytocin, I trust this. This is real. This is my father speaking to me. This is a love letter for my creator. He's trying to help me. He's trying to breathe into me. He's trying to make his kingdom come out of my life. He believes in me. He's fighting for me. There's angels around me. His spirit's inside of me. There's fruit coming out of me. I want to read the word of God because God's speaking to me. Or, oh, thou shalt not. Dang it, did that one. Oh, thou shalt not. Dang it, did that one too. Thou shalt not. Oh, Let's just see a Matlock's on. Anybody old enough to even know what Matlock is? Good. Happy Days, Beavis and Butthead. TV was good back in the day. <laughs> That's not true. Let me just close this way. I was born again very differently than, than I've been able to help a lot of people find Jesus. I walked into a, an event, a Christian event, a concert, where men in spandex pants wife beater t-shirts and Mr. T starter kits sang rock and roll music on guitars. You know, it was awesome. And, uh, and everything stopped and they stood up and they shared the gospel. And I went from an atheist to having met my creator in like 10 minutes. So when someone eventually after a year or so handed me a Bible, I've been walking with this living God, not knowing anything about what was in scripture. And I was making some pretty big mistakes. I loved Jesus and sleeping with my girlfriend. I, I loved Jesus and dope. I loved Jesus and getting drunk on the way. It was weird because I was the guy at the party going, man, God just loves you God. You know, like, it seems like I didn't, I, I was free because I was born again, but, and I couldn't seem to find, how many of you know if you don't know the truth, it can't set you free. So someone hands me a Bible. You should read this. And I went, oh, and it was a King James Bible. And I thought, it's so hard. You know, it's, people are talking normal, but there's, there's marbles in their mouth, and they endeth every sentence with it, and it sounds like a, like a bad Southern movie, you know? And I, I remember thinking, but, but this, is, this is what happened, guys. When I read it and understood it, I said, hey, I know this guy. I met him at a rock concert six months ago or a year ago or 18 months ago. Does this make sense? So my trust in it, I didn't approach it from some sort of analysis, some sort of historical or archaeological or literative. I, I literally just said, I know, I know the voice of this book because I met the author at a rock concert. So I didn't have to struggle and wrestle with where the dinosaurs on the ark. 
I assumed they were in the glove box, and I moved forward and didn't, didn't care. So I get that you can like, but what about this? And what about that? I would say this. If at any place you get stuck, this is what I do. Do anything you want. I met the author. It's up to you. But because I, I read something, I don't understand it, or it doesn't function that way in my life. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. I assume the problem's not on God's end. I assume I will learn it because I have learned so many things that confused me at first that are now common knowledge to me. There's some mysteries still unsolved, some tragedies still un, unplacated, but I will say this. When I find something that doesn't make sense, I assume it's, it's in the reader's problem, not the author's problem. And when I read the Word of God, I open it up. I'm a part of different devotional groups. Dave Cromer's got me in one now, and Pastor Jim at, at uh, the Grand Blank House Campus has me in one. And you want to invite me to yours? I love the. I, I love reading the Bible in community and seeing what everybody comments on. I, I love that because, hear me, every time I learn something new, I get freer than before I knew it. Every time something gets in here, it changes my life. I would not know. Please, yeah, I'll close this. I, I promise you I'm closing. You can trust me this time. The other three times, I didn't mean it. This time, I mean it. You know I've been married for 32 years? Because the Bible taught me how to forgive and how to love and how to trust and how to rebuild. The Bible taught me about what it means to be a husband. You know, you know why my sons are serving the Lord today? It's their free will. It's, it's, they made their own decisions. They made their own sacrifices. But I believe they're raised in a home with, with that scriptural guide. Like, yeah, we made all kinds of mistakes, and we, you know, ran off a little bit and came back. But I'm telling you this. We came back to the Word of God. And when they learned that the Word of God was true, my grandbabies, that, that I've been able to serve here for 26 years. I moved 28 times before I moved to Fenton. I've been here for 26 years. Do you know why? Because I learned through Scripture to listen to the voice of God and obey. I would have destroyed my life a thousand times. I would have destroyed my life, my marriage, my kids, my grandkids. Every gift God ever gave me, I destroyed it a thousand times if I hadn't believed what he was telling me in that book. So when I read it, I hear his voice. I can feel his breath. His heart beats in my heart. And I try to bring everything into submission to the knowledge of God. Am I an example of everything to do? If you include mercy, yes. If not, no. I'm challenging you this Thursday night to get here and get in this word. We're learning how to be transformed by renewing your mind. I challenge you to get in a group that's reading the scriptures together because you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I challenge you to find what is a lie, find what is true, and replace the lie with the truth. If you do that, you will experience ongoing transformational power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you don't, then a year from now, we have the same conversation and nothing would have changed. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the greatest truths of Scripture would come alive in the simplest of souls. They receive what is real and what is true and what is eternal as children receive information about Santa. I, I pray that there would be a uh, a submission, but not, not a, a forced slavery, but a liberating trust. But when you speak, we listen, and truth has been established in our lives, whether it's healing, deliverance, salvation, prosperity in, in a biblical sense, if it's, if it's just defeating depression or anxiety. God, all these things, when we know the truth, the truth is going to set us free. So anything that's holding us captive is no longer in charge when the truth shows up. Teach us. Let us meditate on those truths until the truth is really true and the lies are exposed as lies. Heads are bowed. Listen, eyes are closed. In three minutes, the service will be over with. But right here, right now, if you believe the lie that God doesn't care about you because where was he when or why didn't he? If you believe that you're a nominal Christian because 
in in your practice you've you've lacked perfection therefore god's love for you must not be perfect because he's he's embarrassed he's ashamed he's he's hurt by your actions listen for god so loved the world that didn't love him back that wasn't serving him they wouldn't know the truth of it smacked him in the face that he gave his son to die it's not performance anymore it's just love it's just mercy now that love's going to motivate us to behaviors but those behaviors don't win for us a relationship the relationship wins for us love and in that love we walk and we trust it's by grace we are saved through faith not by works if you're here and your heart just is wrestling with god I, I when i'm good enough when i believe you're good enough when i'm safe enough faith is not doing what we know to do it's 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 something very different it's trusting something we've never experienced someone we don't know when you put your faith in jesus he gives his grace to you to continue to believe will you trust him with your forever will you trust him with your circumstance today will you trust him with your biggest problems or your smallest faults will you trust him to be who he promises to be in your life when you see him coming towards you, is it oxytocin that comes out or is it adrenaline? Do you run and hide like Adam and Eve did after they sinned? Or do you run towards him like they did before the fall? Heavenly Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done now in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jim, I need this today and I, I, want, I want to take a step. Again, if, if your trust in him is rising, your brain's producing stuff, hormones are starting to go, synopses are firing, that's the physical side, but the spiritual side, you're just being touched by the Holy Spirit. You're being touched by the Holy Spirit right now, and God's asking you to take a step towards him, whether it's the first time salvation, or it's repentance over being distant, or a coldness that comes to your heart. You say, God, I don't want coldness anymore. I want distance. I want to know you. I want to, if, if you've been kind of lazy in the word, you, you haven't applied yourself. You know every jingle to every commercial on TV, but you, you don't know the basics of Scripture. It's time to not say it's too hard. That's a lie from the devil. If, if a five-year-old can understand Scripture, so can you. But whatever that decision is today, something happens when you go from believing it to putting action into it. So the simplest action we can come up with right now is raising your hand. All over this room right now, yep, I heard God speak to me today, and I'm responding right now. Raise your hand right now, all over this room, whether it's mercy whether it's a decision you're making about moving forward, whether it's a good thing or leaving a bad thing behind you. Jesus, you are the one that opens the doors that no man can close. And you're the one that closes the doors that no man can open. Whatever the need is attached to this hand, I pray, come in now and just rule and reign in our lives. Let them know the truth. Green pastures, still waters. Let the truth set them free for generations to come. For generations to come. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet all over this room? Before you leave, I want you to look to two people, three people before you leave and say this. Are you coming Thursday night? Because I'm coming Thursday night. Say, that's not true. Then just say, are you coming Thursday night? Because Pastor Carl's coming Thursday night. Thursday night, 6.30, dinner. We're going to hang out, get in the word. God bless you. You are dismissed. Hug a few necks. Talk to a few people. Stay as long as you like. Grab a third cup of coffee. We'll see you again next week, Father's Day. We'll see you soon.